0: Welcome to Optimal Self, the art of becoming the best version of you. Join us as we talk with extraordinary people who are on the journey to living to their optimal self. We dive deep into their minds to learn what they do on a daily basis to create optimal results. They share their tools and insights so you can implement them into your own life to become the best version of you. Here's your host, Jeremy Herriter. All right, everybody, welcome to Optimal Self Conversations, where we talk to incredible people who, through adversity, grit, and persistence, are forging this path to being the best version of themselves. And they join us to give you the tools to do the same. You guys are in for an absolute treat today. And, you know, it's funny because we do these and I say that kind of all the time, but you are going to meet. Dr. Sava, and let me say this: I'm going to say it to you this way. We're just going to say Miss Q because what she's doing in the world literally is going to change the lives of our children, our children's children. And I, I just want to read what she wrote before I before we get going in the conversations. And she says a statement. She said, "I stand firmly by the statement that no student should graduate feeling confused." and unprepared for the world. And yet so many do. Like so many others, I walked in the professional world thinking to myself, I don't remember reading this in my textbooks. Those of you out there probably feeling the same way. It personally took me years to find my place in the professional world by learning how to navigate and rapidly changing society. And I know I'm not alone. It's time to start setting our students up for real success after graduation. When I read that the first time, and also knowing you and, and following along for the last few years, is that it is so true that not only are you saying that, but you are now stepping into the role of, I'm going to make some change. And so, man, thank you so much for being here. I mean, I, I can't even tell you. I know I said offline, I want everybody to know this. This is one of those conversations that I have absolutely been dying to have. And so thank you for being here.
1: No, thank you for having me and for, you know, helping to advocate for this message and for, you know, students across, all over.
0: All right. So our audience, again, we love to know the human, right? We see the movement and all people love to get behind those things. But tell us a little bit about your journey. Like, where did it start and, and how did we get to this point?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, it's been a long one. I would say it really started for me when I think now back when I moved from London to California and I was 10 years old. And to kind of just, you know, make a long story short, it was a really, really, really difficult transition. And a really big part of what made it difficult was losing my love for learning. It was um, a really, being in California, we went from sort of a more more public school environment, um, you know, that was... That was just sort of more that you didn't have as many textbooks and you didn't have you had a lot more sort of experiential learning to a more private um sort of a school experience that had a bit more of a religious aspect to it and things like that. And that was a big part of why our parents wanted to make the move. They didn't feel like we had the exposure to culture and religion and the way that you know they were kind of hoping for us to have and to grow up with. So, anyways, I felt like that. Transition was extremely difficult. And it really wasn't until I was 16 years old. And I was a relatively good student, but you know, really, when I was 16 years old, I remember just being so bored. I was in this APIB program, just listening to like professors behind a podium all day long, reading from a textbook. Like it just was a really, really, it wasn't what learning felt like growing up. And so when I realized you could take the high school exit exam, I did that and I went to community college. And going to community college is really what I think was my first really big transformation because it gave me power back over my learning experience. It allowed for me to create my own schedule. Like I remember I used to spend hours just going through like the course catalog, really browsing the different courses I wanted to take. And a lot of everything that I did in my higher education experience was really guided by interest and my strengths and what people were highlighting I was really good at. And so the culmination of those experiences led me to decide to go into education. I didn't know exactly where I wanted to go in education, high school, elementary. Um, So I was actually doing internships in both areas. And the elementary level, I just had too many favorites, just super honest, like too many favorites. They were just so cute. and It was just very different. But what I really loved about working with high school students was helping open up different avenues for them that they didn't even know existed. Like, did you know you could pursue this path? Did you know that this is not the only way in which you can do something? Did you know that these are options that are available to you? And just watching their faces and just watching them go through that growth and being able to be somebody who could sort of be that intermediary between what you think is possible versus what is possible... Is something that just really brought so much joy to my life. And it's something that I found myself really passionate towards. So I ended up being a high school social science teacher. Like I said, did really well in school. But I also happened to have graduated in 2007 with my master's and credential. Got an amazing job my first year as a teacher And then literally just what, like two, three months after that, it was the Great Recession. And one of the things that happened at education in that time were many budget cuts across a lot of areas. But one of the biggest ones was an increase in class size, which meant obviously a huge reduction in the number of teachers that are needed within a school. And while I was always really fortunate to find another position, I did this for about five years. It just was constantly changing schools one year after the next, one year after the next, spending your whole summer looking for a job. And it just really dawned on me like, wow, like this is not a sustainable way to like build a career. I'm never gonna build a career if I have to keep moving every year. And it really just got me reflecting on the world of work, thinking about the things that I had been taught that just weren't working and were not actualizing in the way people had said growing up, and then reading about changes and really reflecting. And one of the most impactful books that I think had a huge influence on me was Lynchpin by Seth Godin, where he really talked about this concept of understanding your unique strengths and your art. And it's interesting because going to college, understanding my strengths had really guided me in choosing things, but it wasn't something I was able to translate into being a professional. So I was great at doing it as a student, but doing it as a professional is a little bit different. How do you market yourself? How do you showcase yourself? How do you answer interview questions in a way that allows those strengths to come forward was something that I felt like I had to learn a little bit. And Lynchpin really, really helped me craft and articulate what contribution I could bring to the table to sort of navigate the field of
0: education. So much. Cool. Hold on. There's so much in there that I love. So thank you. And so let's go back to something you said early on when you were losing the love for learning. And I say this all the time. I've done several podcasts on. And again, I feel like the education system, the way that it is, especially in you know, the United States, for the most part, it's not even about learning, right? It's about getting a grade. I always say to to my students, to my clients, even CEOs that I coach is like, are we always just looking for an answer or can we craft a better question? Can we challenge ourselves by asking a better question? Even at the top, right? Even the the CEOs of these Fortune 500 companies, right? Is that you got to have a vision, but in order for us to get there, man, you've got to empower the people around you to be the best version of them. And I mean, that's literally why I get the phone calls because they're like, okay, I'm not doing this. Right. And and it's fun, but I want to go back because so when you're losing again, so we have people out there right now that are listening that I know feel that same way. Like I really, truly believe, and I write this every day. So that's probably why I believe it. One of my superpowers is that I have a willingness to learn, like no matter what. So no situation scares me. And, and not in the way that I won't do it because I know that or fear for that matter is I just know that, well, if I'm willing to learn that there is no real true end point, because even if I don't, even if it doesn't happen, right, we launch optimal self and it, and it doesn't do well, right. Or it, it doesn't hit the people the way I want it to. Well, maybe we got to craft the new message, right? I got to be willing to learn and understand. So for you going from that losing the love for learning And then transforming it into now, like you love, I mean, again, like just watching and hearing you, like, how does that transition, how do you recognize that? And then how do you get back to being very learning based even for yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think so. You remind me of something. I think there's a really big difference between learning and schooling. So, I guess when I say, I guess I didn't fall out of love with learning, I fell out of love with the concept of school, which I think, and I think we equate those two things. We equate school with learning. And that's where I think we really struggle to be able to differentiate, you know, what lights us up in those different ways. Because to your point, school really is, it's a series of steps you're going through, getting the grade, doing what needs to be done. And that's not learning, right? Learning is personal. Learning is, you know, diverse. Learning happens everywhere all the time, not just within these time blocks and, you know, only during this part of the day. So I think, you know, that would be the first big differentiation would be this difference between learning versus school. And I think the other thing is, taking the time to reflect and actually want to make a change for yourself. You know, it would have been really easy for me to switch careers, which I thought about, you know, maybe I'm just going to get out of education and maybe I'm going to go pursue a different pathway or a different career. Or I remember that time I had friends who were in all these different industries and, you know, I thought about going back to school for like something else. But then there's that moment of like, okay, but what is the real problem here? right? Is the problem like just getting another job? Like, is that all you're trying to do? Or maybe is there another way of looking at this? And that's why I feel like reading and reflecting and really taking a moment to journal and just think about like, okay, like what is making me happy? What am I enjoying? What isn't working? Why isn't something working? And those types of things lead you then I say the biggest realization I had was that this is not personal. Because it's really hard when you're a new graduate, right? And you're just gotten your first job. And now all of a sudden you get a layoff notice. And even though everybody tells you like, oh no, it's not you. Like you had great evaluations and you know, you're so wonderful. And you know, I'm going to write you like a glowing letter of recommendation you still, I feel like on, like deep down, like there is this insecurity, like maybe I'm not good enough, right? Like maybe if I was better, maybe you, like I would have been able to stay somehow. And so I think battling with sort of that, those personal insecurities versus your vision, your goals and being able to sort of find a way to make a place for yourself. And that's what Lynchpin taught me was how do you make a place for yourself? So I could have changed industries But ultimately, if I hadn't learned how to make a place for myself within any of those industries or fields, I probably would have ended up with the same problems. So I think it's that taking that time to pause, that time to reflect can really help you get to the root of like what it is that's challenging. And then when you're at the root of something, you're in a better power to a better position, really, to be able to solve for it.
0: Mm. Oh, my gosh, you're. After my, my heart, everything that you just said, our, I'll, I'll give you this because I don't think we've ever spoke on this. We have six principles at Optimal Cell. It's hydrate because your brain is over 90% water, your bones, muscles, I could go through all of it. Why? But we live, most people live in a form of dehydration. So none of the control mechanisms, none of the operating systems inside our body, meaning your brain, it works at a high level if it's dehydrated, right? Most people are getting up, they're having coffee. So it goes. <laughs> no, we all, I I drink coffee. Don't, I'm not saying don't drink coffee. The People always say that. No, I love 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 love. Co- I mean, I, you should see my house. I have beans from all over the world, and I crush them myself, and I make fresh. Co- but the first thing every day is 18 to 24 ounces Himalayan sea salt and lemon before anything else goes in. That's all. Just just the precursor, right? But we all it's it, it's it's hydrate, right? Breathe, which in the world, I call it breathing, because that's what gets me through in, in the meditation aspect, right, getting my mind right, is that I never was great at meditation, like when I sit there because my mind I'm, I'm that high d personality where it's just like spinning out of control, like I'm thinking, what else should I be doing right now, right? But when I focused on my breathing, I'm able to to bring myself and center myself, and what I found is that it I mean literally. There are studies all over, which is incredible, which one of our principles shows that it literally nine quality breaths in, in certain patterns can literally change your state. So if you're angry, mad, jealous, but whatever you're going through, you can literally change your state. So breathing, but meditation is how it kind of goes out, right? Then we have move, and I purposely don't say exercise because people look at me and they go, uh Jeremy, I don't want to look like that. Like, <laughs> why do your biceps so big? Right? I'm like, no, you don't have to I'm not saying you have to do anything like that, but movement is important right and so and again what i just said about hydrate breathe and move all three of those are better for your brain than anything else and th- literally and that's the control right and then we get to write which is what you just said is number 4 which is which everyone talks about journaling so and the reason again i say write is because look you don't have it doesn't matter what you write like just get it out what's in your head. It doesn't have to make sense on the page. It doesn't have to look beautiful. It just needs to get out. And the more I do it, the better I get. And we have different prompts and stuff. And then we have read and then we have intention. And the reason why intention is six is because nothing in life happens without purpose or intentionality. And so if we can train people, so, I mean, you made reference to it. And so I know that I know our audiences, they, they, they hear me talk about it all the time, but it's so much better to hear somebody more educated than I am, way more advanced than I am talk about. How has that helped you? Because again, moving into those the world and even creating what you're creating today, I gotta imagine, I mean, I have them all over the place. Like I gotta imagine there's pages and pages of things that you've written. To to build what you're building.
1: I'm gonna show you just because they're literally on all sides. It's like here. It's here. It's like literally here. It's everywhere. It's yeah, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And and the reason it's everywhere is because you don't get that, like it literally. You just, I mean, you just said it. You can't get that clarity just in one session. It's not like you sit down to journal and all of a sudden all these magical answers come out. But what does happen is you get clarity when ideas come outside of your head. Ideas that are in your head are overwhelming, they're heavy, and they're a weight. And when you can take them outside of your head and put them anywhere, really, whether it's a post it note, It doesn't even have to be the medium of writing because I think a lot of times when we talk about journaling, everybody assumes that you need to have a pen and paper and a notebook, which could be great for you. But I actually found once, you know, we started, you know, different mediums became more sort of, you know, democratized. um, I actually found that video really, really helped me. And so a lot of times, like you'll notice, like if you follow me on Instagram, I have these like stories sometimes that are like too long. I'll have like sometimes people tell me, like, "Why wow, you should really keep your stories to like this and this. And I'm like, yeah, I actually do that more for me and if somebody else is listening. Like great. I hope it helps you too. But a lot of times it's really, it's my outlet. It's my creative outlet. And being able to just get those ideas out of your head gives you the subconscious clarity, I feel, to be able to just better guide you, to better direct you when it comes time to making decisions. There's just these insights that you have that you didn't like make a list of because you sat down a journal one day, that there's these insights that come from the practice of engaging in those things. So it can be any medium. It can be drawing, it can be video, it can be writing, as long as you have an outlet for your ideas and for what's in your head.
0: Wow, that's a great point. That's pure gold. Everybody if you're wherever you're at listening to this, look at the time on the on the screen and go back and hear that again because that's that's such a great point. I do lives for our our group, our private group. And it's literally me like this live where I just, you know, obviously Obviously, I've done research that the day or the week and there's something, there's just a thought or there's just a, sometimes it's a quote or a word, just something that really sparks something. And I do them and you're right. That's such a good point. I I never really thought about it, but I think they're more therapeutic for me than probably, I mean, I get, it's cool when people come back and they're like, oh my God, that was great. Thank you. I needed to hear that today. But it's, it's like what you just said. I think it's even more therapeutic for me in that moment so i think that's something for people to to really take take, um, take down and and implement, like, doesn't matter the medium, just, just do it, just get it out. That's a
1: Yeah. And and it doesn't even have to be public. Like I know I said, Instagram stories, but like, you know, on our phones, we have like voice memos or like audio record. Like, you know, I don't know what the version is on Android, but on iPhone, you've got voice memos, like, you know, you've got your notes app, like you can dictate into anything and it will write it up as text. So you just have so many options for how you want to share whatever's in your head that, you know, find what works for you.
0: Yeah, that's well said, well said. One of the things that I did want to, because I have very few people that I actually meet when I ask them and I say, hey, what's your, your mission? Or, you know, and on yours, it says, you know, my mission is simple to design schools that give young people the mindset and skills they need to thrive in workplaces and as global citizens. So can you go a little deeper? I mean, I want I want to really dig into one, why do you believe, you know, why even put the mission out there? But then what is it about designing and giving young people the mindset and skills? Like, where does that come from for you? And and how important is that mission to you?
1: Yeah. A lot of this, like I said, comes from, and I'm still on this journey. Like there's no, by no means like an end point, but it really came from, like I said, this transition from being a learner to then being a person in the world of work, right? What, what school is preparing you for? And then having learners in front of me and navigating the world of work myself, but also having the responsibility of preparing the people in front of me for what they were about to go into. And so one of the reasons I'm really explicit with that mission is because a lot of times in schools, and this had been my experience, you know, I think really in, you know, technology has been around for a long time, but I think where we really saw it you know, just explode is when the iPad came out and we started to see more and more places go one-to-one than had ever been before. There had definitely been some laptop programs and things like that, but the tablet, the mobile device really changed the dynamic of what was possible from a cost perspective, from a, you know, just an efficiency perspective and whatnot. And I remember when this first started happening, our focus was the technology. What new app are we going to be learning? Like, what what can you do with the tool versus what type of learning experience do we want to create? And so what you realize in that dynamic is you get excited by a tool because it's what excites you, but you may or may not really be solving for a particular problem or a particular challenge. In this case, yes, we were introducing lots of technology. And unfortunately, this is something that still happens, yet the actual foundations of the learning environment and the learning experience are not changing. We're really just doing a lot of fancy substituting with devices versus really trying to reimagine and redesign. And so as you know, again, just like a very avid reader, always reading, always listening to see what I can learn. I was um, listening to a talk with um, Eric Brynjolfsson. It was Mark Benioff and a few other panelists at the World Economic Forum in Davos, and it was like my first time learning about this conference. It just so happened this was the first talk I was watching, and the talk was titled "Technology Driven, Human Centered." And I remembered one very specific line from Eric Brynjolfsson in there. He said, "Technology does not shape us. Technology is not destiny. We shape our destiny." And it just was like this really profound statement. I was like, wow, like, how how do we shape our destiny? And so that really sort of became like, I almost took it as like a call to action. And so a really big part of my research and looking into like, okay, how do we prepare people to shape their destiny using the technology and resources that we have access to today? And how do you increase that access and exposure so that everybody's able to benefit from it? And that's what led me to learning about design thinking. And the reason I specifically call out mindset and skills is that it's not just about the skills. Like, yes, you can be creative. Yes, you can be collaborative. Yes, all these things to these skills. But if you don't have the mindset to navigate ambiguity, to own your creative confidence, to like lean into empathy as you're designing and as you're creating and as you're doing these different things, then you're missing half of the equation. And I think the mindset piece is one that is just so, so, so deeply missing from our schools. It's one, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I didn't grow up with mindset things like how to build my creative confidence or how to even believe in myself. Sometimes everything in school comes down to A, B, C, D, F, right? You fall onto this bell curve where you're told you're a number, which to be honest didn't really change much even once i became a professional it was still like well you're going to get a layoff notice because you know you're not tenured yet and you fall on this number in the scale and so when you're brought up in that way you really don't learn what's great about you outside of something that's actually gradable on a you know on a numeric dashboard and there's so much more to humans and people than obviously you know a grade can ever tell you and so that's that's why the mindset component to me is so important in being able to learn to advocate for yourself and to believe in yourself, which is the foundation of being able to take advantage of any of the opportunities we see in today's world.
0: Hey listeners, it's Jeremy. Just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. And I wanted to take a quick break from the episode and remind you that at www.optimalself.today, you can gain access to our free did I say it? Free Identity Creator course. Plus right now, two bonus downloads that will forever change the way you go to bed and wake up a little Did I mention that this is all free? It is for a limited time. Thank you guys again for listening. And again, the website is www.optimalself.today. Now let's get right back to the episode. You know, you and I have followed each other now for a couple of years. And when I read that, when, well, let's be clear I want, I want all the people out there to know, cause you know, this is just a conversation of two friends. And so what sparked me with you was the, the post and you, it said, I'm leaving. I resigned from Apple and you pull your shirt off and it's got a different shirt on and you're like, be, you know, I'm starting. And I was like, Oh, You know what I mean? Because again, here's this massive company and knowing your education and what you're doing and all this, like the technology. And as I, again, read deeper to be like, oh my gosh, what is she doing? I can't wait to hear. I can't wait to follow. Right. And then when you had mindset, I've had several educators or people in this, you know, on the podcast. And it's one of the things that I always ask. And very rarely do they open with that. And on yours, it says mindset, even before it says skills, because everybody has to acquire skills. We have to be learning. There's no question, right? We have to get better. But what we fail to realize, and I think this happens a lot of times, Hmm. is we don't go after how we think about ourselves, not just about this. Uh, I wonder if I have one in my pocket. I want to share this with you. No no one even knows. It's going to be the first time. (laughs) And so I'll give you a little background because okay. I want to, so, so you'll see this, this coin. Okay. Right? Okay. So this coin, I was giving a speech. I got uh, a company brought me in to speak at Zoom. Of course, it was about six, seven months ago. And somebody on the call, asked, you know, they, they're, they're building this company. Great company. Great work. I mean, the people that were on there, just, you know how you, I mean, I'm sure you don't just the level of questions, like always just gets my heart, man. Like it, when they ask great questions, it's not like just, so how do I become the best version of me, Jeremy? I'm like, well, okay. But when they, when they dig in, so a guy asked me about belief, he says, how, how do you coach and teach somebody to believe in themselves? Right? Like that's a big thing, right? How do you, I mean, because again, depending on your upbringing, depending on where you are, from parents to teachers to cousins, aunts, uncles, neighbors, right? We have all, we've we've consumed all of this information from the time, right? We're little. What we don't realize is now we're adults. And all of that is what's playing in the background. And we have to somehow understand and reprogram. And so in this case, they were talking about like, hey, you know, yes, we're putting this plan in place. We have the systems in place. Right. And so, Mike, so I was like, Oh, this is great. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you. I said, Belief, has, belief is a two sided coin. The one side, and you're going to see this, I'll show it to you. And the people, if, you, if you're listening to this, go to the YouTube channel and you'll yes. see it because I want you to see it, so it's a, it's a, see, optimal self belief. Right. It's right. The first process and plan. Right. On this side of the coin. And so, I asked them, I said, Tell me this. Anyone on this call? And, you know, the system is in place. You guys have a plan for the future, for the next five years, right? Yes. How many of you believe if, if that plan is executed at the highest level that all of you are capable of, do you believe that that plan will get you where you want to go? I mean, every head is a, I mean, everyone is nodding. I said, if somebody doesn't disagree, it's okay. You're not, it's not right or wrong. Just say it. And they're like, no, it's good. Like that plan, if we execute that at a high level, I said, great. Here's the problem is that all of you are stuck on this side of the coin. You're stuck in the process, the plan, the system and you believe it, man, hundred percent, Jeremy, believe it. I said, but here's the thing. Do you believe you personally that you are deserving, worthy and capable Of those results, right? I'm always the guy that gets the call and says, Hey, I want to take our company from 10 million to 100 million. Hey, I want to, you know, I want to make my first million. Like, okay, I got a blueprint for just about any business there is. I do, and it's fun and I love it. And I can show you the plan. But how many people don't truly believe they are worthy, capable, or deserving of those results? of truly having that life, whatever that life is that they choose. I say that to you because this coin was born out of that because I didn't have the coin when I gave that speech. I said, there's just two sides to the coin. And afterward, the CEO, who I had never met, I was hired by somebody else. The CEO sends me a message, text message, and says, do you have a coin? I want one of those coins. And I was like... Uh, shoot, I don't even have a coin, right? And so I get online and I start researching. <laughs> right? And the next thing you know, within a, a less than 30 days, I found the person, they called it, they did it. I had a couple consultations, and we literally built this out of thin air. Wow. Now, when we coach and when I teach and when I talk about it, because it goes back to what you said, though, it's the mindset is that so many times we believe that these skills, right, that these skills are going to get us where we want to go, that I'm coming out and I want to get this great job or I want to build this great company. Maybe I want to start my own company, you know, whatever. Or you just want to work for this company because you believe in their mission and you believe in it. But yet, I might believe wholeheartedly in your mission, like I see it, but do I believe that I am worthy and capable and deserving of those results, of of whatever it is. If it's a monetary thing, that's fine. If it's a weight loss thing, like a lot of people call for, you know, they want to get healthy and things like that. So what is your take on that? I mean, I know I said a lot there, but I would love to get your feeling like, again, the system, the process, building the skills is on one side, but the other side is, do we believe in, in us, right? Do we believe that we're worth?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I'll, I'll kind of build a little bit then on what you shared because I think you paint a picture of how so many people respond to things today, to your point, these CEOs, you know, these are, these are well-accomplished people, you know, like people who have probably done well in their careers, who are ambitious, who have goals, who have dreams as do all human beings. Right. And I think where the challenge lies is, like you said, do you believe in yourself? So, you know, kind of examining, okay, but where does that root cause come from? Like, why do so many of us in the world struggle with this? And you really, like, you have to at least ask the question. I remember it didn't occur to me actually, even until like during the pandemic, it was so easy to join any webinar, any session, any, anything. And I joined this one it was the intro webinar for a course that Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi were doing. And I I really enjoy like especially Dean Graziosi, like just a huge fan, like love following his work. And so I was like, oh wow, I can't wait to join this webinar. And I couldn't even focus on the webinar because I was so fascinated by people's comments and like what was even happening. It was essentially, people just needed to be told, yes, you can. People just needed to hear a voice that would tell them they were capable of doing something. And it was fascinating to me. And you begin to wonder, well, like, why do so many people struggle with this? And if you think back to the one thing that we all kind of share in common, it's having gone through what, like 12 years or more of being told that you are just a number. Our grading system telling us what you are and are not good at. And there are so many things back, you know, to your point that we are good at that cannot be reflected through the ways in which we assess people at a very, very, very young age, formative years, where you're developing that sense of identity, where you're developing that sense of confidence to have been told, like even me, like I always tell the story of how I was not good at writing. Like when I, I I used to love, like when I was in London, storytelling and writing, like I was doing it all the time, all day long. And when we came here, it was just these really like boring reading comprehension and just like everything was so robotic. I really kind of like didn't do very well in writing, you know, like there was like essays where you had to like write something off of a book and like all of that just wasn't like, I don't know, I just didn't do well. And so I remember always thinking, even as an adult, like even till this day, you'll hear me say, I'm not a good writer. And, you know, but I've got a doctorate. So people will be like, well, wait a minute, like you've done research and you've done this and that. But I, I tell people like, this is how it happened. I actually worked at USC, which is where I went to school to get my doctorate. And I, if I had done it while I was there, I would have saved 50% on cost. So this is sometimes just how much fear And a lack of that mindset can cost you, no matter who you are or what situation you're in. Um, And I was so scared that I wouldn't get accepted and it would look really bad around everybody I was working with. I was like, oh my God, I just looked at the essay questions and I was like, I can't do this. And I shut it. And it wasn't until one of my mentors came along, I was like, you know what, we're going to write it together. And I was like, okay, but I don't think they're going to accept me. He's like, we're going to write it together. So sometimes like even somebody like me who n- understands mindset, believes in this, you need to have those people around you who are going to encourage you and can highlight for you when you are falling into those patterns. And so we did, and we sat down and we wrote it together and I got in there. And now when I pay those, you know, student loan bills, I'm just like, I could have had half of this amount. <laughs> <laughs> so It's just a really powerful reminder But I think to your point, I think it's worth, I think, and I think today we are examining this, you know, the grading system has not just caused, I think people to lose a lot of confidence and not really recognize what they're great at, but it's caused a, a huge mental health crisis, the stress, the anxiety, all the challenges that come about as, as a result of the pressure that we're putting on young people today for what, like, you know, how many of us really ended up doing what we'd said we thought we were going to do senior year of high school. Nobody, all of our careers take different trajectories and different pathways. And there's more opportunity to kind of go and pivot and go through different pathways today than ever before. So this idea that we're putting all this stress and anxiety and pressure on people at a young age and really not instead building up their mindset to explore, to experiment, to take those risks, to be creative and to find what, you know, really brings that spark within them. I, it's it's such a missed opportunity and one that I hope that you know I, people are excited to do something about and excited to just kind of you know see where we can take things.
0: Oh, I love it. So on that side because I know I mean we have a lot of one, one of our hashtags is generational habits and and I talk a lot about and so we get a lot of parents as why so I want to I stay on that thread with you for a second because you you made reference to building that mindset with our children. But, and, I, and I'll, I'll give you a little context around it is, you know, studying, I've always, I've always been interested I mean, real estate is my forte, you know, thousands of houses over 300 flipped, you know, I mean, I, syndications, like, I mean, it's what I'm I'm really, really good at over time. Cause I built it and, and I didn't know anything when I started, but today it's, it's a lot different. And I talk about generational and generational wealth is talked a lot about, especially in, in the US. And as you look and you study generational wealth, you learn that most of it is gone by the second and if not the third generation. That it's gone, that the wealth is no longer it's it's completely depleted. Or I mean, I mean, a lot of very wealthy families handed down. Uh, by the second and third generation, it's gone. And it's attributed because the habits that it took to build that wealth are not handed down, just the wealth is handed down. I call it the lottery winner effect, right? Most lottery winners go broke or even commit suicide because they don't know how to handle it. They've never had that kind of money. They don't know what to do. And Again, they go back to their same habits. So if you live on ten thousand dollars a month and then you have a hundred thousand dollars a month, you live on a hundred thousand dollars a month. And so they don't have the habits, they don't build the habits. So one of the things that we talk a lot about, that I talk a lot about, is generational habits. Not just ge- generational wealth is great, hand it down. Yes, I want, you know, I want those young great-great-great-grandchildren to go, great-great-great-grandpa Jeremy left us those buildings, and you know what I mean? Whatever, like, cool. But I'm more interested in handing down the habits, the thought process, the mindset that will propel them to have whatever they want in this world rather than have to depend on even some wealth that, that I may be able to hand down at some point. So, but you made reference to it, and that's what sparked this interest for me was Building these schools now, designing schools and what you're doing, is there something that the listener, that these parents that I know tune in, that we can help them with? Like, are there any any things, tactics that you're using or that, you know, that we should be focused on that can help these kids, uh, you know, break out of that? You're not just a grade on a, on a report card or a number. You're, you are more than that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think that's where like the design thinking practices can really come into play. I'll share maybe like two things that I think are like immediate things. If you wanted to get up and do them right now, you could at home, like obviously like you're not going to doing things in a school is like more systematic, but there are definitely like, I'll share two things that I just really, really, really love. The first one is language, right? Like how we talk about things, how we break things down and how we teach this idea of reflection. It's not like, you know, you think about like the kid who like, like I, you know, we all have that experience, right? Like we all got those report cards where we didn't do well and then we're scared to take it home or like we're for, we're forging signatures, you know, whatnot. And so it's like, you know, you think about the conversation, okay, well, what does that number really even mean? Right? Like, like, why do you feel you didn't do well? Um, you know, let's, let's look, you know, you got an A over here, but you got this over here. Like, let's, let's talk about what were the different environments like, what were the different experiences like being able to break that type of language down, and even if it's something that you're not doing well on, being able to say like, I can't do that yet. And it was one of the things that I remember was, um, it was really interesting. Like my, my nephew, like he, a lot of times, like he would try something new and then you'd be like, I can't do it. I can't do it. No, I can't do it. Like you do it, you do it. And it's like, no, you can't do it yet. But how are we going to try in that? And it's so much easier to actually just do it for him, you know, and just be like, hey, here, give it to me, I'll do it. But I think having the patience, it's something that I think I really, I tell my sister and brother in law all the time, I admire that in them so much. The way like they have this patience to just like sit back and just wait for him to be able to get through what it is that he's doing so that he can come to it at his own time. And being able to then reinforce those moments like, okay, like, look, you made this much progress now. I think that really helps. I think a second thing that really helps is being able to just document, right? Like if you think about learning to read or write for the first time, um, you know, you kind of look at like, okay, like this is where I started on day one, but wow, like a few months later, look at how much you've grown. Again, that reflection on the process is the part that I think is missing for so many of us um, growing up um, that we're just, you know, seeing what happens like at that given moment, like, oh, I got an A here, I got this here, like, oh, and that. You know, without the reflection, it's hard to have that gap. So, there's actually one um, company, they're called the Big Life Journal. And they just have such incredible prompts for kids um, to be able to, like, from young kids all the way up to teenagers, to be able to really just have that dialogue. Again, if like you're a parent, like, it's, I feel like I follow them on Instagram, but I just love the posts that they share. The other one that I really, really love, and this is, you know, we do this a lot as adults, right? These personality tests or these assessments and whatnot. You don't see, us do it enough for kids. Um, It's not enough to just say like, oh, you're great at art or you're great at this. But really when we break down mindsets and skills, being able to really get specific with our language, not only allows other people that are interacting with kids to know these are their skills and strengths, but gives kids the language to understand what's unique about them and the language to articulate it, which I think is key. And so there's a platform and it's called Thrively. And Thrively, it can be used in schools. You can use it as a parent, as an individual. But what Thrively does is this, you know, they partnered with a neuroscientist to actually develop an assessment that's similar to, say, like the Clifton Strengths or, you know, like one of those types. And what it does is it builds like a a learner profile and it tells the kids, these are your strengths in these different areas. But the language that it gives to articulate is beautiful. Like as as a kid, you can use that language. And so I think just knowing, where your strengths are, and also knowing that you're not going to have a strength in every single category. We're all great at something, but we can't be great at everything. And that really, that understanding is the foundation for great collaboration. We talk about how essential collaboration is today, but ego so often comes in the way. And the reason I think it does for so many of us is we've all been taught to believe there's only one winner, there's only one valedictorian. There's only one everything. And so when you grow up in an environment where there's only one of those things, it's really hard now to take a step back and say, this isn't just about me. This is about us because together we're going to you know, do X. That is a hard mindset shift to overcome. It's great if you're just doing a little project here and there, but really when you want to get into that deep collaboration Having the confidence, this is what I'm great at, that I'm bringing to the table and X, Y, Z and for everybody else and how we're building something that's ours and together is transformational, yet an incredibly difficult process I think for many people to go through.
0: Oh, that is so beautiful. Again, those of you listening, go back, just rewind and listen to that again because language is so important. And, and I'll say it, you know, It's crazy as we, as we have children, right. And the, in the people around us, and we can be very aware of the language that we use with them. Right. And, and, and sometimes we're not, I mean, that that's kind of the problem, but the the ones that are, like you said, like your, your sister brother-in-law, like chances are they're very aware of the language, the people that are, the people that are, are in, you know, the design thinking way is, is that, yeah, we're very aware but what I also want people to hear when they, because when you say that, I think of for ourselves, like the language that we're using for ourselves. Can you imagine? Cause this is part of my life. You said, I can't do that yet, you know, with children or whatever. And mine was, I'm not good enough yet. So I don't know if you, you've probably heard the story when I was 13, you know, the coach told me I wasn't good enough and I didn't make the all-star team and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, as, and always in my head, it was just like, um, you know, you can say, oh, I'm not good enough. And then you you don't pick up another bat or a ball or you, or you don't pursue whatsoever. And I had the exact opposite, right? I was like, yo, no, no one's ever going to tell me that again. Like not from lack of effort, right? Like I d- haven't put in the time, energy and effort, so I don't deserve it. Once I know that, that I can learn and I can get better, that, you know, there are going to be some stumbling blocks and I may not be good enough. Yet, So I I love that. And I hope people take that, but using that language, not just again, the optimal self, I say this all the time, you cannot help somebody else until you help yourself. So we can't be teaching and leaving generational habits. If we haven't built those habits, if we haven't changed that own language in our own mind, and it's not perfect. I am guilty as charged. I, it happens all the time where I'm like, oh man, is this good enough? Should I, shouldn't I? Right. Even times before I hit play, like I'm sure when you're getting ready to do a story. Right. And I'm like, should I, should I not? Am I ready? Oh shoot. Am I ready? Let me look back at the notes. Like, you know what I mean? We, we question it. So again, I think language and, and understanding that, but I love how you said looking at the environment and the experience as well. So, you know, cause we're, we're all guilty of that. I'm, I would, you know, parent, you know, the kid comes home with, you know, three A's and B and a C. And what do we always say? Well, what's up with the C? How come we didn't, You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> instead of going, wow, let's talk about those three A's. What's that? Okay, the C? we'll figure it out. But what about these three A's? What, what about that experience? What about that environment? What did you love about that subject, class, teacher, whatever? Like, and then we start to bring those feelings up and then maybe we can raise that, that environment and experience in those other grades. So I think language is important and document. I mean, I teach this every day to, to, to business owners. It's like, look, if you don't track it, there's no way to improve it. Yeah. None, zero. You cannot improve what you don't track. And it's really fun to look back and go, wow, look how far I've come. Yeah. I'm not nearly where I want to go, but look what I've actually done. So, I mean, thank you for sharing that big life journal. Thrively, you guys get out there, research it, look for it, right? Like like all super amazing things. Um, there's something that I think is important as well. And so I have a, I have a few, I don't even know what you call them, mantras, I guess. I'm gonna give it to you. And I only want to focus on one with you, but mine are one sharpen your axe that goes back from, you know, Abraham Lincoln. They said, if you gave me four hours to chop down the tree, I'd spend the first mm-hmm. three sharpening my axe, right? Sharpen your axe. Just keep sharpening your axe. Don't worry about the result. Don't worry about what the, what the actual task at hand is. Sharpen your axe. Get better, get better, get better. But I also say every day just take one step. Just take one step. Every great thing starts with a streak, and you got to get started. Streak can only start with you get started. So take one step. I'll give you the last one. I always say shoot or shoot. I say that a lot. I hashtag that a lot as well because, look, you know, Jordan would have never made a shot if he didn't take the damn shot, right? Like, not when he felt like it, not when he was wide open, not when the perfect, you know, everything with the elements were great. No. Just, just take the dang shot and see what happens, you know? And then one of mine is always relentless consistency because if you're not, I mean, that's really the truth of success, is, is you gotta be consistent, you gotta be rel- and you gotta be relentless at consistency. But the one I want to bring with you is. One of my mantras is embracing delayed gratification, and I think with the technology side, and you're really heavy in this side. So, so I'm, that's why I really wanted to come to this with you, is because with technology today, we can literally get answers at the touch of a button or the sound of our voice, like, and they come very quickly. And there's Dr. Uh, Andrew Huberman who talks a lot of. He's very he's neuroscience dopamine and and how it all. And he says, like, the problem we have today is that you get these dopamine hits without any effort. And so dopamine literally should be more towards the motivation side is like, when I actually do something and I earn it, I get that feeling. And I'm like, oh yeah, this feels great. Right. Where today we actually get those feelings Without actually doing anything, I can literally just pick up my phone and make a smile post, and all these people start, high, you know, starring it, highlighting it, commenting, and I get all this wonderful thing that people now, you know, whatever. But my point is, is that with you knowing as much about technology, like how do we still, how do we eliminate that immediate gratification where we get it, we get these hits so easily? Again, I, I teach this every day, like literally I'm like, okay, let's start with, you better start in embracing delayed gratification, that you're going to do a lot of work for a long time before you ever hit mastery or the numbers that you want. So where do you see that? And how, I mean, I just love your take in general
1: Yeah. I mean, oh, wow. That's a, it's definitely a complex one. I mean, I'm definitely not a neuroscientist by any means where I'd be able to say like, this is what you do. So you're going to be able to balance those sort of like chemical reactions and whatnot. I will say maybe a few things just from my own personal experience um, and also taking us back to the reflecting and the journaling one of the things that i found happened through journaling and through documenting like just my own journey and my own sort of just my own journey and what i was doing personally and professionally gave me language and confidence to talk to myself because a lot of times those comments that you know that those things that we're referring to when we post them can be just as positive as they can be negative when you share something or you put a project or you put something out into the world you're going to get the people who are going to support you and the people who are going to tell you like, oh, you sure you want to do that? You're like, you know, maybe you should just stay where you are. You're doing so well. I mean, the number of people who told me that I should just stay in my job because like, oh, well, you're at apple, you know, and whatnot. It's just a double-edged sword. The positive can help, but there's also the negative to deal with. And in both scenarios, what helps keep you grounded is the way in which you speak to yourself. So if you understand that those comments can bring both the joy and both pain and doubt and fear and ignite, I, I feel like, you know, while the dopamine hit from the positive things dies down very quickly, I will say the negative ones and the ones that place doubt don't ever leave. And in both scenarios, you have to be prepared to be able to take a step back and really refine that voice in your head that is grounding you in a bigger why. Because I mean, there's just so many layers to this, like, you know, because it's also like the way in which we teach these platforms or maybe lack thereof in terms of what they can do. It's really easy to see the people who get the likes and the comments and whatnot. But one of the things that I also say that we really are missing in our sort of like education system, we teach this concept of like entrepreneurship or following your strengths or following your passion, but it really has to also be aligned with building a strong financial model for how you're going to sustain yourself, right? You've got to make money. It's not just about going out and following your passion and just you know, getting likes and comments, ultimately, if that's not bringing you, you know, money to sustain or pay your bills or to build it like an actual life out of, um, you very quickly will realize that it's not you know, something that's going to um, you know, support you and help you. So I think having just that balanced approach But again, so much of that goes down to mindset, like you think about teens, like I can't, I didn't follow like word for word to be able to quote it. But I mean, I feel like Instagram was just, you know, in in hearings with Congress about the impact that their platform has on the mental health of young people. And it's a double-edged sword. It's not just Instagram. It's not just schools. It's sort of, you know, our lack of being able to keep up and raise people in this society with an understanding of, okay, here are these tools. Here's what you can do with them. Um, But let's also assess these and, you know, take a more critical look at the impact they're having and how we're teaching it and just, you know, how we're preparing people. So there's so many layers that go into that one question, but if I had to break it down all into one, I would say, you've got to have a strong why at the end of the day, like you said, right? Like whether this works, whether it doesn't, I've learned something. I say that about my, my podcast. I say that about any project that I'm working on. If it is able to have a ripple effect, even just to, to, to a few other people, that's great, But ultimately, I benefit so much from these. When I sit down to record a podcast, when I sit down to record a video, there's no one liking or commenting until much later in the process, right? And so being able to find what intrinsically motivates you to get to that place comes from like if you had that growing up, you just have more time to understand. I think that's really what we advocate for is before I always talk about this, like in I um, a couple of years ago read, thank you for being late by Thomas Friedman. And chapter two of his book is called what the hell happened in 2007. And I was like, that's what I used to ask. Like what the hell happened in 2007? And you read that book and you realize like, wow, I was struggling and I was one of, and it wasn't just me. Many people were struggling during that time, dealing with layoffs and all these other economic hardships. But at the same time, 2007 is the year that the iPhone launched. 2007 is the year that we saw platforms like Facebook and Twitter emerge. YouTube became much more, you know, popular. Airbnb launched that year. IBM started Watson, AI. So you've got two different groups of people. You've got people who are you know, going through hardships because they were not prepared and people who were able to capitalize on change and what was happening. And so there's this one quote that I refer to often. It's by author William Gibson. And he says, the future is here. It just isn't evenly distributed. And so a lot of this is really Being able to contextualize these things in terms of a much bigger picture of what your goals are and the intrinsic motivation that you have for why you're doing these things to begin with. Because to go back to your point, to get to that point where you're going to get sort of those comments, those likes, those shares that are actually going to lead to like a financial model for something that you're building, there's a lot of work behind the scenes that people don't see I don't know if that answers your question, but
0: no, yeah. Okay. Well, it is because it's delayed gratification, right? Is that your, everything that you said is delayed. I mean, even, is. A podcast, even this right now, right? People are going to hear this weeks, if not a month or so later than you and I having this conversation and you and I, again, getting, getting some benefit from right now, but we won't know the outcome until a much later date, which is, which is very, which is a really, really good point. I think, and I love, you know, that position of, you know, well, one, when you're building something coming from a strong financial position and knowing your knowing the economic model that you're gonna need to follow and, and how to get there. That's that's an important piece. You know, when you say why, I I always like to use words that people could get. So, you know, the purpose, intention, like all of those things are are, you know, they they work, whatever works for you individually. And I tell my people that all the time, like. I'm like I need to, why is Simon Sinek talks about, you know, you got to have your why and I don't really understand why, you know, it's, and I'm like, okay, it's purpose. It's, it's passion. It's, it's intention. And I'll go even deeper a little bit because, it, and you made reference to it a little bit earlier when you said the sense of identity. And I think, I think with why and purpose is when we can attach it and we can, we can make it our identity like that is, it, it changes everything. And I, I got interviewed for personal growth magazine uh, about a month ago and they asked me that question, like, when did it change for you? And I said, well, everything changed for me the day that I actually wrote my personal mission, like the day that I wrote it down because because my mission is to help and inspire people to change behavior through belief and action so they can be the best version of themselves. And so again, when I isolate it and I say, okay, people must change behavior. So everybody listening, you can, again, interchangeable words right there, habits, behavior, whatever. But if you don't change something you do, you're gonna keep getting the same results. Like insanity, we all know all that. But it's true, and, and we don't really realize that. And so how do I change behavior? Well, I change it in two ways. I change it through my belief system, Well, guess what my belief system is tied to? Well, it's tied to my identity. Well, guess where that came from? Probably I was seven when somebody told me I wasn't good enough. And so now I've been fighting. You know what I mean? Like we can go down these these roads. But I think, you know, again, when you talk about that intrinsic motivation is that, because people ask me all the time, they're like, Jeremy, how are you so disciplined? I'm like, I don't even think I'm that disciplined. They're like, no, you, you get up and you work out and you move your own meals. You're on time. You do this. And like... You are the most disciplined person I know. And honestly, I don't even think about it. It's not even a thought. And so when I, when I get that question, when I got that question and I, and I started to reverse engineer it a little bit, and I'm like, hmm, that's really interesting that people see me like that, right? They see me as this really disciplined human. And I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say that about myself. And so then when I reverse engineer it, I'm like, oh, it's, it's because that's the identity of Jeremy that I've created. I created him. It's not my mom. It's nobody else does it. Like there, it's none of that. But at some point I was like, um, because I don't, I don't miss workouts. I don't miss exercise. I don't eat out. I don't, I know I love good food. Don't get me wrong. But in my normal life, not traveling and having amazing meals and having five star, like no, look, I love it. <laughs> don't get me wrong. give me that great bottle of wine. I am in all day long. But in my everyday life, I don't do it. I don't. I, it's not who I am. I don't miss. I do it the way I do it because I, I want to feel good. I want my brain to operate. That's my biggest thing. My cognitive function has to be level 10 all the time. Right. And by doing those other things, it doesn't happen. So is there something for you like in your why, in your mission, in your purpose? What gives you that intrinsic motivation? How do you stay motivated to do i mean you're embarking on something revolution i mean honestly like that is done going to be that is literally going to change lives for decades probably even after you're gone like no oh, i hope so <laughs> it will you're 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 way too special of a human for it not to so and you're so i mean again everything i've watched like everything you've done you said you're going to do it and boom you go do it and it keeps getting better and better and better, which shows, again, I say it all the time and all the of these people are going to be like, Jeremy says, I don't like, is that every next level of your life takes a new you? So You've got to get better, right? Like there is no, you said it before, there, this isn't a destination. I'm not stopped. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to build this and then I'm good. No, it's just the next level. And then there's going to be something else and something else. But what keeps you quote unquote, motivated, on purpose, intrinsically motivated? What is it? How how do you stay there?
1: Wow. I wish I had like a one word answer for you. I don't know that I do. I will say Mm -hmm. one of the things that I really advocate for, even, even if I just think back to like, here you are. So this is interesting, right? The same way you were like, oh, people think you're so disciplined. People think whatever. Let's say maybe somebody watching me is like, wow, she's so motivated. She's just going from like one thing to the next to the next. And I do actually next year, I do plan on writing a little bit more about this. It's just a matter of like processing and being able to see things in the right way, in a respectful way and whatnot. It's not like I am just jumping from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, because I'm so motivated or I'm trying to get to somewhere. One of the things that I would say really, really, really helped me, which is now just going to become a theme throughout this episode is reflecting on what I've done and how far I've come. And... It's it's like investing in something, right? You don't see, like you mentioned, real estate. You maybe don't see the return right away. If anything, there's probably a deficit in your pocket, right? Like when you're shelling out that money or, you know, pulling out from wherever to be able to go purchase this first thing you're investing in, no matter what it is, how big, how small. But over time, you build that momentum, right? There is that growth, like it compounds, right? The same is true for yourself, and if you are somebody who invests in reflecting i took this step this is what it felt like and it's really important to zone into those feelings this is what it felt like and this was the outcome you begin to recognize what propels you forward and what holds you back and there's no sort of there's no segmentation for personal and professional because sometimes what holds you back in your professional life May propel you forward in your personal. What propels you forward in your personal may propel you in your professional. But having the awareness of how you are responding to situations allows you an opportunity to dig deeper. So, for example, I am much more of a risk taker in my professional life than I ever will be in my personal life. It's the experiences I've had. It's not right or wrong, good or bad but the awareness is critical for me when I'm making decisions. Why am I choosing to say yes to this, but no to this? How I evolve from that is an ongoing journey, but that awareness is critical. So I had two, I actually had, it's sort of like a three strikes and you're out, right? And I won't go into details, but I had three incidents that took place while I was working at Apple. First one really just kind of like caught me so off guard. And was was traumatic, but in a very different way. It was like right before my first year anniversary. But I was like, okay, you know what? Put it behind you. Like all these things, again, this is why the, the language, not only that other people are using with us, but the ones we're using and internalizing ourselves is so critical. And why I talk about it so much is, you know, people will always tell you like, oh, you're doing a great job. You know, just put it behind you and just, you know, just move on. Like you, you'll don't worry about it. Like it'll, everyone will forget about it. So you do, you know, and then you go and you go on. And then there was a second incident. And I remember at the end of the second incident, I didn't have the confidence to really stand up for myself. And it was something that just haunted me for so long. Like, why didn't I say more? Why didn't I do X? Like all those things you think about in hindsight. And the only way you can really grow from something like that is by being able to really recognize, well, why was I so afraid to say something? You know, I was scared of losing my job. I was, you know, scared. What else would I do? You know, what would I do next? And so it's really interesting now to have seen how subconsciously I perhaps was building something as a safety net or for a vision for being able to make that change or so that next time I would be able to stand up for myself. And so the one thing I tell people is investing in your personal brand, the relationships you build, the community you build, and just the growth you see within yourself. A personal brand, you know, we've got to start coming with a different name for this because I feel like it just carries a very certain image now. It's not just for people who want to start a business. This is your opportunity to carve a space in the internet right? Like on the web for you, for who you are to put something out there, but to build a community of people. And in that process, the things you learn about yourself and what you're capable of and the things it prompts you to learn about doing are so transformational that you never know when you're going to be able to pull them out. And it may be something else for somebody else, but that investment of me, that investment I needed me in my personal brand in launching a podcast, like I wasn't getting any money from it. I wasn't getting any money from my blogs or anything at all, but that investment I made in myself when it was the third strike, it it was, my confidence was unbelievable. And that video that you mentioned in the beginning is a, a, a total reflection of the confidence of the mood of just the, everything that went into that, but it never would have happened. And I never would have had the confidence to take the step that I did Had I not invested in myself and creating those pieces that may not have given me that gratification of anything else to your point earlier, but that learning experience, that intrinsic motivation to keep creating, keep doing to at the end of the day, be in a place where I could look in the mirror and be like, wow, like I'm proud of who you are, what you stood up for and what you did was perhaps a big part of the motivation. Just being able to look at yourself in the mirror, just be proud of who you are. That would be that on sort of a deeper level, and then just on a more surface level. I love creating. I, I I love creating. I whether it's something that I'm doing for work or whether it's something that I'm doing personally. I love creating, and I think it's something that you know. You said it earlier, and I wanted to say, you know, me and you. Even if this podcast never went live not one of us would regret this time. We would both be like, oh, but you know, oh, well, let's do it again. You know, (laughs) Let's, let's just do it again. That's, I guarantee you what we would both say. And so you have to look for those moments. What are those moments when you're like, oh, I would do that regardless of what, happened as a result. And that's when you know you're onto something and how you evolve that and how you turn it into something that can become a financial model for you, that can become a business model for you. If that's even what you want to do, like there's no like, like there's no like, book that says that that's what you have to do. It's just something so that again, you've got that diversity in the investments that you've made, but we don't always talk about ourselves as the investment. It's always sort of these outer things, but making that investment in yourself gives you more motivation, I think, than anything probably could.
0: Man. <laughs> All right, you got, this is the part where I'm going to rewind it and listen to that part because that personal branding, I think, again, because it, it does get such a, it does get a connotation and sense of business, like, oh, you're building a business, but it's, it, you don't have to do that. So, and I want everyone to hear what you said. And here's, here's something very funny about that video. I saw it on Instagram and obviously you're scrolling on Instagram. I see your name, obviously, you know, I have nothing but immense adoration for who you are and everything that you're doing. So, and as I'm scrolling it up and the video starts, here's what I want to tell you is I missed the words on the page. Cause it, it's, it's very quick. And I mean this because you said something there that I think is very important is what I noticed and the reason why I stayed instead of just going to to your writings, right? It's, or to whatever, the, I don't even know what that's called, whatever the take is. Detection. So normally that's what you're going to do, right? You're just going to go down and I'm just going to read what you're, oh man, what is she up to? Or what is she saying? But what I noticed, and you made reference to it, what I noticed was your posture, the look on your face. Like what I saw was this confident insanely like, like I saw a joy in there that was like, like the confidence joy. I I mean, I don't know how to explain that, but I noticed the posture was the very first thing, your posture, your stance, how you move. I missed the words completely. That's what I did see. And I want everyone listening to understand this is that what she said was here was strike one at Apple, here was strike two at Apple. And through this these years, right? That you had been building this brand, been building it. Confidence, that type of confidence is only earned with daily, daily intrinsic movement, activity, things that are directly designed to build you. That I'm going to keep doing it. I'm not worried about the money. I'm not worried if this blog makes money. I'm not worried if this, this podcast makes money. I'm not, that. that's not even the, that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because there's something about it that brings out the best in me that literally I feel, right? I remember the very first one I did, I got off and it was all by myself, right? I literally had the headphones in, that was my microphone. And I remember getting off in that moment and, you know, hitting end and stopping. It was a Zoom, by the way, it was a live Zoom in a Facebook group. And the whole time my heart was, and I was on like level, if level 10 is my normal, I was on like level 30. Like you couldn't even like, my feet were floating and I was like, oh, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. This is something that I want to be, have, and do, right? And again, I love your reflection because I look back on those and I'm like, oh, those got to come down. Like, that's terrible. <laughs> what was I thinking? Oh my God. The lighting, the sat like I'm just like, holy cow. Anyways. My point, though, to, to everything you just said is, I hope people heard that. And it is, we all need to start investing in ourselves. We need to start investing that time into ourselves. Whether that's something that you record and it, no one ever sees it but you, whether it's written in a journal and you just get to dump and dump and dump and it doesn't have to make sense, it's fine. like Whatever the medium is, Like you have to start investing some time into yourself And I will say, if you make it more public, meaning you're trying to add value to others' lives with the things that have happened or that you've learned and you try to transfer that type of energy from a very, you know, from from a contribution standpoint, your life will never be the same.
1: It won't. And that's why I love the idea. I love that you just said that when you make it public because it's so hard to make it public but when we help kids do it from a young age, they have the added advantage of that safe space of their classroom, of mm-hmm. their teacher, as their coach, as their mentor. And so you just imagine what it would be like if you didn't have to start this work in your 20s and your 30s, but you got to start it when you were three, four, five. And then you had up until you know, you're done with school to have experimented with these things, to have put work online publicly, but in a safe space where you can make those mistakes, where you can grow, where it's not something you're, you feel the time or pressure to build. I just feel like we would have such a different world, such a different generation of people who were really able to at least have the opportunity to recognize and decide for themselves where they want to put their energy. I feel like right now, not everyone gets that choice. If you weren't exposed to it and you didn't have access, you never get to make the choice. So I don't. I feel like people should be able to choose whatever pathway they want. That everyone should have access and exposure to the experimentation of knowing what's available and how to navigate what could be.
0: Yeah, well said. I I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think here's the other side: is it is out there, right? It's it is available to. I mean, it, it, as far as the technology is only growing it's only getting faster better more like all the words you know and we've got to be aware and and if we use it the right way it can definitely serve us and and again serve our children because you know <laughs> we hear it all the time but you know they're they're growing up in a different time right i mean think about the kids today think about your 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 little nephew right like he's never gonna not know that he can push a button and just about anything can show up at his house. Like he already knows why. <laughs> food, food either cooked or not cooked, groceries, from toys, from books, from you. Heck, we I mean, my car was delivered to my house, right? Like that's you don't even have to go there anymore. They just, you know, guy drives up, came in, sat at my kitchen table, <laughs> And she took an Uber home and left me a car. Like, like the world that we live in is, is truly, it's, it's moving very quickly. And the more that we can be aware, teach it, coach to it, mentor to it, you know, I mean, what you're doing with designing schools and, and design thinking is just, is incredible. And so I'm super grateful for the time. I mean, I know that everybody, but we, we always leave, you'll see it come up with quick hitters And what all this is, is I'm asking the the same two words I, I asked everybody. And so I just want to know your take. We talked a lot about this first one, which is discipline. And how does that word hit you? What does it mean to you? And what does it mean to your life?
1: Discipline to me means on the days when you do not feel like doing what you know you should be doing pulling those feelings. Like that's why I say when you reflect, it's not just about reflecting on action, it's reflecting on feeling. Yeah. Every time I sit down to record something and I'm like, oh, but who's going to listen? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? I remember the feeling. And that feeling can become what helps build that discipline. So for me, that's it.
0: Ah, well said, love it. And the final one is impact. What impact do you want to leave? And what does impact mean to you?
1: I think impact means being able to open a door for somebody that they didn't even know was available to them. That if if I can help open doors for people that they didn't know the way people did for me, it was so life-changing. That to me is the greatest impact I could ever leave.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, on your path, you're for sure doing that. I know the audience is is better for it. So I appreciate you so much. I can't, I can't wait for our next conversation. I can't wait to see what you're doing. So thank you so much for, for, for joining us. Um, we'll get all of your, all of everything that you're doing, we'll have in the show notes. We'll push it out there. You know, anything that, anything that I can do ever, please just, just let me know. I'm super grateful that, that you took the time today and I know our audience is better for it.
1: Cool. Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. So until next time, everybody, get out there. And be the best version of you. Subscribe to Optimal Self wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more information on how to be the best version of you, visit optimalself.today and follow at OptimalSelf One on Facebook, at Optimal underscore self on Instagram, and subscribe to Optimal Self on YouTube. Thank you for listening.